Hello, everyone, and welcome to One for All, that weekly show where we rewatch and review, actually in that order, the anime My Hero Academia. As always, I am your host, Annabeth. I'm here today, obviously, with my other wonderful host, Nancy. And today we are going to be jumping into Season 4, Episode 3, Boy Meets, which my brain wants to correct to Boy Meets World. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing, actually. <laughs> we are products of our time, what can we say? Mm-hmm. And I guess you could argue that is sort of the whole show, Deku Meets World. Deku Meets World. Who's Mr. Feeny? Is that All Might? Yes, definitely. All Might is Mr. Feeny. There's the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. Do you remember anything about this app? Uh, I know there is a cool fight scene in this episode. Yes. With Deku. That is correct. Yeah. And I remember that we will be picking up literally right where we left off with Bonda's Shickle Machine. Yeah. Still very weird. Still very... Very weird. <laughs> weird. You and I have both have our had our uh, second shots now. That's true. I had my second shot uh, just this past Monday, and then the next day... We played a game of, am I feeling side effects, or do I just have a migraine? And I still don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I had mine done a little earlier than Nancy, and now I'm just waiting to be super super immune on Wednesday. Fully vaccinated. Fully vaxxed. Like you ascend. You evolve to your next level. I uh, I think when I got my second shot, I posted a, a GIF of Vegeta, mm-hmm. like it's over nine thousand mm-hmm. power levels rising. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, th- what a weird world. The CDC said we could go out with masks if, in some places if yeah, we're masks. if we're fully vaccinated. Not the governor yet. Still in Maine, where they want us to keep our masks on, which I respect. But it means it'll probably be soon. Soon, and that's great. It's. Mm-hmm. It has been really heartening after a year and a half of doing this podcast and spending almost every week being like, COVID's still a thing, Mm. to feel like even though, I mean, the crisis in India right now is terrible, here in the U.S. things are starting to move back towards normalcy, which is a huge relief. I think everybody's just so tired. Yeah, um, you definitely get the impression from talking to a lot of people that they have been a little worn down. By the past year or so. And that's why we have wonderful superhero shows to remind us how to have fun. And that there's good in the world. Deku is a good, sweet boy. Yes. As we will remember this episode, I am sure. Mm-hmm. But with that, we're going to jump right into it. And we're going to tell you about this amazing fight scene that Nancy remembers. And we will tell you the fate of the Bonner's Tickle Machine. See you soon. And we're back. It's actually a pretty good episode. Yeah, I like this episode a lot, actually. It's a ton of fun. We actually get a work-study explainer. Yeah, just sort of explaining what the work-studies are and how in the past, like with the hero-killer-stain situation, they weren't allowed to fight him and there was all that controversy surrounding it. But now that they have their licenses and they're part of the sort of official work-study channel, that Deku is going to be able to fight. He's going to be able to help out in a more direct way. And I, I, I like how they remind you of what the problem was last time and how it's now fixed. Yes. It's also a promise to the viewer that there's going to be a bunch of bullshit. Yes. Um, and fighting. Um, and speaking of bullshit, 
We know that in order for Deku to get this internship, he needs to make Sir laugh, Sir Nighteye laugh, and that he has failed. He has failed, and this scene is actually really well done, mm-hmm. where we get an extended scene here from what happened last time, where mm-hmm. Deku makes his All Might face and upsets Sir Nighteye mm-hmm. while the poor girl of the Tickle Machine is just suffering endlessly. Bubble girl. Bubble, bubble girl. Um... But he's not angry because he thinks that Deku is making fun of All Might. He's angry because he got his wrinkles wrong. Yes, he's like, you know, is so many millimeters or something like that long? Um, and he points out to, like, different ages. Like, you can tell from this particular piece of merch, during this age, his wrinkles were this large. And during this age, his wrinkles were this large. They were never as large... They were, they were not in these instances as large as the wrinkles that you had created. And as a result, that shows that you're just not up to snuff as a fan. And you should leave. And that you should leave. But we know that if there's anyone that's a huge All Might fan, it's Deku. Yeah, he realizes that there's all this All Might merch mm-hmm. in the room. Uh, Including and- like a limited edition poster. That there are only so many made of. Yeah, and they, they weren't for sale. Yeah, they weren't for sale. <clears throat> the 10th anniversary tapestry. Mm-hmm. And Deku, having failed to make someone laugh, mm-hmm. uh, has decided to pull out the weird fucking trivia. Mm-hmm. Where he explains an obscure All Might encounter where he saved a middle schooler who turned water into vinegar while he was drowning. Yeah, in like a lake or a river or something like that. And as a result of the vinegar, he made... A very specific face. Yep, like it got into All Might's eyes and he made a very specific face where the wrinkles were a slightly different size than normal. And that is what Deku has based his impression off of. Yeah, they nerd out about All Might stuff. It's actually really funny. Yeah, because I know I think it's kind of interesting. Like we have all of these characters that admire and are clearly fans of All Might. But so far, no one, not even Bakugo has been able to sort of reach the sort of, like, you know, trivia-obsessed level of fandom that Deku is, but he has met his match in Night Eye. He has, and this, I don't want to say this endears him to Night Eye, but it, it definitely helps with the bad first impression. Yeah, and you think for a bit, like, oh, wow, no, everything is going to work out, and we get, like, a further explanation of what these work studies are going to be like. They inclu- last a month. Yeah, and also the fact that Deku's going to get paid. Yep. It's a paid internship. Which is great. Uh, clearly, they do not live in the States. Yes. Um, and, you know, Night Eye, he sits down at his desk, and he brings out this form, um, that uh, Deku's application form, basically, and there's a spot where Night Eye is supposed to stamp it. Yep. And so he accepts. He explains everything to, to Deku, and then he doesn't stamp it. Yeah, he stamps the table right next to it. Like, you see his arm go up and then down, and no, he's stamping the table. And he's like, no, I'm not accepting you, basically. I, I'm not accepting you. He's like, I understand what you get out of this. Mm-hmm. What do I get out of this? Mm-hmm. Like, I have two sidekicks and a work study mm-hmm. already, and it's hot, like we're a small like agency, mm-hmm. and it's a lot to manage extra people. So, you get access to like knowledge and experience and like all this like hands-on training what do i get like are you how do i know that you're capable like yeah what's so impressive about you what are you going to contribute to society at large basically and basically night eye gives deku an opportunity to prove himself where he's like you know in the next three minutes 
I need you to be able to take the stamp away from me. And stamp it yourself. And stamp it yourself. And he asked Mirio and Bubble, Bubble Girl, Girl to, to leave the room for three minutes. Yeah, Mirio freed Bubble Girl. Yep, he, free, he freed her from the, uh, the tickle machine, and thank God. Um, and we sort of get some brief conversation from them during the fight and before and during the fight. And Mirio doesn't really seem very confident in Deku's ability to complete this. Yeah, particularly because this isn't normal. Like, Bubble Girl asked if Mirio had to go through this. And he's mm-hmm. like, nah, he asked for me directly, so I didn't have to do any of this. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't look good because, I mean, what he's asking you to do is going to be really challenging. Mm-hmm. And as the audience, we don't know why that is just yeah. yet. And so, you know, Deku gets ready to fight. And I think it's interesting that one thing I, I noticed a lot during this encounter is you really notice the bandage on Deku's arm that's injured, like the armband that he wears to help sort of support his injury. And it feels really prominent during this fight, which I, th- I think is really interesting. Um, but Deku gets ready to fight. And one thing we didn't mention before this is that actually ends up being very important is after Deku did his face, and he's talking about it with Night Eye, Night Eye looks into his eyes, and this ends up being very important. Yeah, so it turns out that Night Eye's quirk mm-hmm. is called foresight. Yeah. And when certain conditions are met, after he touches someone, if yeah. he looks them in the eye, he can basically see their future yeah. for like up to an hour. Yes. Like all of their decisions, basically. Which you imagine would be very useful in a fight, because now he knows what all of Deku's moves are going to be. And not only that, but I think even more impressively, he's able to sidestep all of them. Yep. Like Deku can't even land a blow. Yeah, there's a lot that happens in this section where he's trying to get the stamp. Yeah, it kind of, you know, whenever they have um, time limits on these type of shows, in my head, when I'm not taking notes, I start to count to (laughs) see how well they fit into the time limits they've set. They never do. It was like 20 minutes of this episode. <laughs> it was like the majority of this episode is this three-minute piece of time. And we have a moment where we sort of go off to Mirio and Bubble Girl. What are they getting drinks or something yep. like that? And Mirio comments that Nidai is just really toying with Deku here. Yeah, it seems almost unfair. It like seems it's almost a, unfair. It's a challenge that Deku really doesn't have a chance of completing. Mm-hmm. And we really see that in practice. Deku is like absolutely helpless mm-hmm. against this ability. And our, our boy tries to figure it out. He mm-hmm. tries to figure out if he can, if there's a move limit mm-hmm. to how much he can see, or if there's a speed limit to how much he can see or mm-hmm. predict. And there's none. Like, yeah. Like he brings out, you know, full on shoot style, sort of like lightning uh, the green lightning and everything like that. And Night Eye immediately sees, oh, you move like Gran Torino. Actually, he more insults them like a discount Gran Torino or something like that. Um, and Deku throws books at Night Eye, like from a shelf, to sort of scatter them and have him react to all of them at once. And Night Eye still is able to deal with everything. We'll talk a little more about this scene when we talk about the episode. Mm-hmm. But one of the, the most important thing about this scene is that in this 20 minutes, mm. it takes up three minutes yeah. <laughs> of time in, in canon, they have a conversation where Night Eye knows about One for All. And mm-hmm. he knows that Deku has it. Yes. And he's like, the reason I'm not taking you on is you're not worthy of this power. 
Like he calls him ordinary or something like that, which feels like almost a slap in the face to even us as viewers, because we know what Deku has been through over the past two and a half seasons. I'm sorry, three and a half seasons at this point. And we know that he's nothing but ordinary. But to Night Eye, there's nothing special about him. He's very direct in the mm-hmm. way that he approaches things. And so it, to Night Eye, there doesn't seem to be anything special about him. He's mm-hmm. not hyper creative, though he can be. Yeah. Like All of the things that Deku is doing are things that Night Eye, who has very high expectations to begin with, mm-hmm. would expect yes. uh, the successor to be able to handle. And he's like, I just don't understand why he picked you. Like, I can't mm-hmm. see it. And other people have wondered why All Might picked Deku. And we as the audience know it's about Deku's heart and yes. not necessarily about, you know, his skills. He had no skills when mm-hmm. uh, All Might met him. But Night Eye can't know that in the moment. He doesn't no. know. He doesn't know Deku. But he does also, you know, drop the ball and he points out that All Might, he says something like All Might should have picked Mirio um, and sort of reveals that Mirio could have been All Might's successor, that he was in the running to be All Might's successor, but Deku was picked instead, which is really surprising to Deku, like, and I think it's, I think it's really great that Mirio was almost a successor because Mirio is really creative, as we've seen in his powers. He has an amazing grasp of his abilities, even Great though they're they're unconventional. But we also know that Mirio also has a lot of the positive quirks or uh, qualities that Deku has. Like he also does have a really good heart, and he's a really good person. Um, so when you compare the two, it's not it, it's like Deku's strengths are still there. But Mirio also has them, and he also has this much more versatile, sort of greater grasp on his quirk. There's a re- this like moment is mm-hmm. really interesting because we, as the audience, had this hinted to us before mm-hmm. uh, at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. This really nails it down in a very clear way. But this is the first time Deku yeah. has understood that, and you can see it on his face. He doesn't understand in the moment why he was picked either, mm-hmm. because. I mean, Mirio kicked his ass. Yes. Like, no, not only, not only did he kick his ass, he kicked his entire class's act, minus Todoroki and Bakugo. You know, it was a, a really convincing show. Like, he's well liked. I mean, Deku gets along with him really well. He sees all the things in Mirio that could have made him like the successor. Mm-hmm. And he's confused about how, how, why, not why All Might picked him, but why that wasn't the option they went with. Yeah. And this this problem is exasperated by the fact that Night Eye says, you're not worthy yeah. of this. And Deku goes all out. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to prove that I'm worthy. And Night Eye basically says, no, you're not. I sort of, I, I know what's going to happen. And no matter what, at the end of these sort of three minutes, he says something like, you're going to be on the floor and bleeding or something like that. And I'll still have the stamp in my hand. And he's right. <laughs> but yeah, basically uh, the time, you know, finishes up. Deku flies into the wall when he's flying at night eye and he falls to the ground and his nose is bleeding. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's real bad. And, mm-hmm. and Deku is in this moment of despair mm-hmm. and night eye is like, I just, I now seeing you, I don't, I really don't understand why it had to be you, mm-hmm. but he's like, look, you ended up running into the wall and like hitting your nose. And mm-hmm. Deku's like, Oh, I was trying not to hit that tapestry. Yeah. And the he limited realized, edition. 
he anniversary re- tapestry. <laughs> he realizes that Deku, while he was flying around the room, emotionally compromised, mm-hmm. upset, and angry, managed not to hit any All Might visage mm-hmm. in the room. Yes. He w- he managed to be sensitive about his surroundings and take everything into consideration, which indicates more complexity than he thought. Yeah. he. You can see it on Night Eye's face. Mm-hmm. This is a man who's hard to impress. Yeah. Deku impressed him. Yeah. Even if it wasn't in the way that he wanted to be impressed. Kind of similar to how the fact that he couldn't make him laugh, but he was able to impress him with the fact that he knew so much about All Might. Yeah. And Miriam and Bubble Girl come back in and they're like, are you done yet? We heard a crash. And Nadia's like, yep, I'm going to I'm gonna take him. And mm-hmm. Deku's like, what do you mean? Like, I couldn't do anything that you asked me to do. He's like, I didn't say I wasn't going to stamp it if you couldn't stamp it yourself, mm-hmm. but... It's almost cruel. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, I'm going to take you on so you can understand that you're not the person that should have this power. Yeah. Which is rude. Yep. He's like, you're still not worthy, but I'll take you on anyways. And he and lets Deku stamp it. And he lets him stamp it. We get, let's see, like a quick little section with Deku talking to some of his classmates. Because Deku's not the only one that needs to get one of these work studies. All of his class, besides Bakugo and Todoroki, need to get internships. And they're really impressed that he managed to get on, I'm sorry, a work study with Night Eye. And who's pretty impressive. And the rest of them are having a really hard time of it. Like the places they did their internships, they're not hiring work study students. They never hire work study students. Uh, and we get some sort of grumbling from them. We get some commentary from Eraserhead, which I think is really important to give color here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, if you die... Like, the pro who's responsible for you is responsible. Yeah. Like, the folks who know that and take you on anyways, they're the real deal. Yeah. And they're not everybody. Yeah, I honestly, I think it's a little crazy, especially with the stuff we haven't seen yet, uh, that Deku ends up doing that anyone would take on, um, like, you know, a 15, 16-year-old to do a work study in these conditions. Um, But we do see that some of the students end up getting sort of called up we see Tokoyami, actually, we learn that he is going to do his work study with Hawks, who is listed as being a top hero. And we don't know much about him yet, yep. but we know he's big. Yes. And bird-like. And bird-like. So very appropriate, considering Tokoyami is very also very bird-like. Um, and it's a nice little way to seed in a character who shows up later in the show. Um, and we also learn that some of the other students have been sort of called on by third year students. So Hado calls, who we know was one of the big three. Um, she calls on Ochako and Sue. Yep. She wants to talk to them. And uh, Akimichi? Um, Amichiki. Amichiki? Yeah. I, I can't say that right. Yeah. Who is the third member of the big three? Is, yeah. Wants to talk to Karishima. Karishima, which I think is really interesting. Like, Karishima, in my mind, he's a very impressive sort of student, but he, not necessarily in the same way that some of the other students are impressive, but they've sort of all been selected, and we'll, we'll learn about for what later. Yeah, and we get a little bit of Deku's start of his work study. Like, he goes the next day, mm-hmm. and... They're doing surveillance. Surveillance? And but who? Who could they be doing surveillance on? Oh no, it's Overhaul. We learn his real name here, Chisaki. And we learn that Night Eye is totally aware about the fact that Overhaul has met with the League of Villains lately. And they want to keep an eye on him. Not necessarily interact and at all. 
and they don't want him to be aware of what's going on, but they're they're keeping an eye on him. Yeah, they said he's making moves that don't make sense. Yeah. And so we're trying to figure out what's up. Um, don't let him know mm-hmm. that we're on to him. You're just going to go do some surveillance and watch some things and keep an eye out. And then we'll talk about it later. Yeah, don't attract the attention of, you know, the remaining members of the Japanese mafia. Not smart. And everyone is like, yep, no problem. Enter post credit scene. Yes, there is a post credit scene to this episode. Don't miss it. Where we see a little girl running down an alley. And if you happen to watch the ending credits, you'll notice it's the same little girl who shows up in the ending credits. And we see her running down an alley, clearly very panicked and clearly quite young. I would say like elementary age, young. Six, six ele- to eight. Yeah, young elementary age. And she crashes into Deku. Who's you know very surprised to see this citizen in distress, and he is even more surprised to see who she brought with him, yep. with her. <laughs> Chisaki Overhaul walks out of the alley and says, "Now, now, you can't make trouble for the heroes. Go, go and apologize so we can go home." Mm-hmm. And you can see Deku is like, "Fuck!" This is the guy whose attention I wasn't supposed to attract. Whoops. Yeah, it's a it's a great cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Did you like this episode? Yeah, uh, I like this episode a lot. Um, I feel like it handles introducing the Night Eye character a lot better than the first, the last one. <laughs> uh, I like how his powers are really interesting. I always like people that have like precognition abilities, and especially those that can effectively use them in combat. Because I feel like it's one thing to know if that someone's going to punch you, but it's another thing to know that someone's going to punch you and be aware of the best way to sort of counteract that. So the fight is fun. The, the brief interactions with Deku and his classmates are fun. And we jump right into the main plot of the season with the post credit scene. I like this episode a lot. And I like this episode a lot for this fight that takes up most of it. Mm-hmm. And the I wanna, three minutes. The three minutes. <laughs> I, I, I want to I touch on this for a reason. This is, this is very effective for several key reasons. Mm-hmm. One, it's intended to set up who Night Eye is. He's stern. He's strict. Mm-hmm. He expects a lot. It, and he loves All Might. And he loves All Might. It does that really, really well. But the secondary part of it is to set up the feeling of inevitability that surrounds his quirk mm-hmm. and your inability to divert yes. from what he sees. Because that is going to be important. That is important for episodes that are coming up. And you don't realize it normally when you're watching this that mm-hmm. that is something that they're doing. But they are seeding that. Right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very well foreshadowed for other things. It's foreshadowing for other things. Because this is going to be a central component of, mm-hmm. of this arc and fighting against fate. Yeah, I also think it's interesting to sort of see Deku put, sort of put in his place. Because we know uh, as an audience that Deku is exceptional in a lot of ways. But the fact that Night Eye is so utterly unimpressed with him, with, you know, the level that he is sort of mastered one for all, um, to me indicates that it's time to level up. Like, mm-hmm. that the stakes are going to be raised this season. And the sort of level that Deku was operating at before is going to be insufficient. And he is going to have to find a way to deal with that somehow. Yeah, and he's put in his place by a guy who, yeah, can see the future, but can still move fast enough with mm-hmm. prediction to not get hit by... Full cowling. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. Because he's just a reg- rego dude, mm-hmm. other than the fact that he can see the future. Mm-hmm. And I also like the fact that he, is, he establishes himself as someone that's really knowledgeable. Not just about All Might trivia, but he knows all about 
One for All. He all knows all about Gran Torino. He all knows all about Mirio. Like, he establishes himself as someone that's knowledgeable and more knowledgeable about Deku in some areas, which gives him a different type of power, I feel like. He... He's really cool for, like, a ton of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we will get to gush about them throughout the the season. But... Uh, is a fun fun trivia fact. Mm-hmm. Koshi got a bunch of crap uh, when the series was first coming out about how All Might wasn't very Japanese. Like he's big and boisterous with the yellow, like with bright the red, yellow white, hair. and blue, and constantly you know yelling out, shouting at American states. <laughs> yeah. So when he made a sidekick for mm-hmm. All Might for this this arc in the world, he made him as traditionally Japanese as possible mm-hmm. in like design and in like um, common cultural stereotypes. Mm-hmm. stereotypes of like the way he emotes like the fact that he's quieter and sterner yeah. dark um, hair short short yeah. dark hair very professional works mm-hmm. a lot like all of those things i think that's really fascinating that is really interesting i didn't know about that and they're such foils of each other like mm-hmm. when you think of the two of them together why how would they even get along yeah and but we know from at least from night eyes how he acts that he clearly admires and cares about all might a lot but yeah, it makes you wonder why All Might even picked him in the first place if they're so different from each other. Yeah. Because, you know, he was his sidekick. It's it's really fascinating because All Might really didn't take sidekicks, mm-hmm. is our understanding. Like, you never see footage of him running mm-hmm. around with other people. It's mm-hmm. just him. Yeah, except for Dave. Dave. When he was young. <laughs> Go listen to the movie episode, guys. Yeah, it's a fun one. But yeah, I love this episode. I think it's really well executed. It foreshadows a lot of stuff that's Coming up, fun note for y'all, if you've never seen this season before, it's about to hit overdrive. Like Overhaul? Overdrive? It's going to hit overhaul. (laughs) Literally. Um, Starting next episode, this arc doesn't stop. Go, go, go. I have no idea how I'm going to be taking notes. (laughs) It really doesn't stop, and it's it's really hard hitting. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about pacing at a later date. Yeah. But yeah, it was great. Who gets uh, your plus ultra character of the week? Hmm. <laughs> um, I will have to give it to Night Eye because he did really impress me for reasons that I've already listed. Tickle machine aside. Tickle machine aside, he was very impressive in this episode. So yeah, I'll have to go with Night Eye. I agree. I don't think we can give it to our boy Deku this week. He didn't do a great job. I mean, he was very conscientious about not smashing up this guy's merch. But, yeah. Yeah. Night Eye makes a good second impression. The first impression with the bondage tickle machine wasn't great. No, not great at all. What? What was the thought process behind that creative decision? Anyways. But, yes, good episode. Great job, Night Eye. If you want to tell us all about Night Eye and what you think of him, you can do so over at One For All Cast on Twitter. You can also find us there directly as well. I'm at Incidentally Anna, and Nancy is at... Watch Nancy Tweet. Additionally, if you love the show, as always, we'd love for you to leave a rating or review over on your podcatcher of choice. It really does help people find the show. It's one of the easiest things you can do to support us if you tune in every week. So thank you to everyone who's already done that. You've helped us out a lot over the last like year and a half. Uh, and thank you to all of you who most certainly will do so in the future. Don't forget, Nancy's got a new book out. I do. I recently published Past and Future, which is the fourth book 
in the Red and Black series, and it brings time travel into my superhero series, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, and also, I probably won't talk about this series as much because it's a fairy tale series and not a superhero series, but I just put up a pre-order for my new novella, the start to a new novella series. It's called The Rose and the Claw, and it is a retelling of the classic sort of Beauty and the Beast fairy tale in the first in a series. So if you love Beauty and the Beast, I hope you will really enjoy it. I had a lot of fun retelling one of my favorite fairy tales. Just keep in mind, this time around, my beauty character is definitely a bit of a spitfire, and my beast doesn't hold anyone against their will, which I've never been all that comfortable with, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you never want, you know, when you watch Disney's Beauty and the Beast, you kind of wonder if it's Stockholm Syndrome the musical. It's not, but yeah, it is complicated for other reasons. <laughs> that's it for the week, though. Mm-hmm. That, that's, we, we're done plugging. Uh, thank you all for listening. Sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, we we do a lot of driving and a lot of recording uh, to get this made every week, and we do it for you. If you weren't here, we wouldn't spend all that gas money. <laughs> I'd also like to thank Richard Acosta for our opening and ending credits. They're fantastic. And, of course, a very special thank you to my co-host, the Nancy. Ta-da! We'll see you next time as we dive into Season 4, Episode 4, Fighting Fate. We'll see you then. See you then. <laughs>